Great to be worshiping together with all of you this morning. We are continuing our series, My Crazy Family. My Crazy Family. Are you with your crazy family this morning? I brought some reinforcements for my crazy family this, uh, this weekend, and uh, we are celebrating graduations, and it's great to have my uh, mother and father-in-law here. Shannon's side of the family is all here, her brother and his wife, Candy, and we've got our nephew, Lucas, and we've got uh, Terry's here as well. So we got a whole family here, and uh, people are wondering, did I invite the family here and have the series planned on purpose? So, um, <laughs> Ah, no, I'm not going to say anything on that, but we're talking about crazy family. I love my family. I'm so blessed to be able to have married into that family. I love my natural family I was born into and to be part of our church family as well. Crazy family. What does that mean? We're talking about busy lives, crazy lives. Lives are full, and sometimes we're just crazy running around trying to make it all work with kids and grandparents and extended family all together. But sometimes the crazy, as we talked about even last week, it can be really hard things. Difficult things, challenging situations, family feuds, arguments, uh, times where you're not speaking and talking together, crazy family life. And so for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about that and, and saying that we talked week one, embrace the crazy. There's something about where you just have to understand the phases and stages of life and say, this is the phase that we're in. This is what God has given us, and he's going to work through that, and God does bring beauty out of the ashes. He brings beauty out of the, the seasons of life that we're in. Again, last week, if you need to go back and talk about family feud, how do we settle that feud when there's, when there's tension, when there's separation, when you're not talking, or there's just uh, a, a difficulty in your family? How do you resolve that, and how does God work through that? Well, when we talk about crazy, there's a lot of times, too, in our, in our lives where, where crazy just feels out of control, where, things, where maybe your family feels like it doesn't have an anchor, it's not rooted in something, and so we want to find that place that settles our family, that, that we can say, this is what we want to build on. This is the foundation, and that foundation that I want to talk about today is faith. Not a surprise. We're in church, right? We're talking about the value and the foundation of faith, and I want to talk specifically about the role of faith in our family and how we can live that out. And so today, we're going to talk about living a legacy of faith. Living a legacy of faith. I mean, you often hear about leaving a legacy, and we want to definitely do that. But we also want to live that out, and the way we leave a legacy is when we live the legacy, when we impart that, when we, we have that together and we share that as a family. Now, what is the, again, what is the role of families in faith, and what is the role of the church, and how does that all work together when we, when we impart faith into our families? Now, there are some um, that, that would say, on one side of the spectrum, would say, I don't want to force religion on my kids. As a pastor for many years, I've heard this from different parents, I don't want to force religion on my kids. I just want them to make their own choices, and so, you know, that's, that's, that's completely up to them. So that, we see that on one side, and, and many times I can tell you where that leads. <laughs> a lot of times that's not a choosing of the faith. That's, not a, that's choosing something else that, that really opens them up to who knows what. And on the other side, you've got parents that, that almost feel like they're forcing it into their kids. And there's so much of a push to it that it almost seems like it pushes them away, that there's no breathing room. And so we have all space in between. Other times I see what I might call hypocrisy, which feels like there's a going to church and there's the acting a certain way and doing these things, but at home, it's a completely different life. There's a completely different scenario and the things of faith aren't actually lived out in the home. Others have kind of a hands-off approach and say, you know, we encourage the church, just like we do the school to educate in academics, we're, we're going to turn uh, the faith part over to the church. But, you know, as a family, that's not something we really do. I mean, we believe it, but I want the church to do that for my kids. I want them to learn some good moral foundations, 
Sometimes that's how families come into the church. They want their, their kids to have some grounding and some, some morals and think there's some good things about that. And so, yeah, we come to church, but it hasn't maybe really in, uh, in, uh, integrated or infiltrated into their own lives. And so we see some of that. And others are just uh, maybe faithful in their faith, but say, you know, I'm just silent about it. I don't really want to talk a lot about it. I'm just going to live it out. And I want them to see that. And it's a lot of different ways that maybe people approach faith and, and how that gets passed on. What, what is the right way? What's the role of the family in passing on the faith? So today what I want to do is I want to look at an Old Testament story in a, in a season um, where the, you know, I'll give you the context here in a little bit, but, but we're going to look at what is that role of family. And so what, as we look at scripture in the Old Testament, we're going to be in Deuteronomy at the end of chapter 5, and we're going to spend some time in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And Deuteronomy is one of the, the first five books of the Bible, and it's the law again. It's part of the Torah. Deuteronomy means like the law a second time. And so what we see here is a recap of some of the laws and the teachings, and the context for this book, and the context for what I'm going to talk about today, is the Israelites, they've been in the, the wilderness for, for 40 years. They're wandering. They're about to take hold of the promised land. Before their 40 years of wandering, they spent 400 years in Egypt, under, uh, in, in slavery as slaves under Pharaoh's empire building. And so they had only learned to live as slaves, and that main, they had some of their own homes and their, some of their own culture, but they were always under this enslavement mentality. And when they were finally freed by the hand of Moses and led through the, the wilderness, there was this promised land that they had been looking forward to for, forever, that was been promised to Abraham. And finally, they're on the cusp of the promised land, going into the promised land. And Moses calls them together again, and he wants to remind them of the foundation of their faith. And he wants to remind them before you get into this place that you don't forget about God. Because it's easy, right? If you've experienced this in your own life too, like when you're at a difficult season, challenging time, and you're praying, and you're seeking God, and he gets you through, and then life starts going really well, and it's like, all right, God, I'm good. I got it now. I can take it from here. Thank you so much. And, 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 and Moses, I think, is worried. God's worried that when they get into the promised land, there's going to be this sense of maybe we don't need God anymore. Now, or how are we going to live as free? What is that going to look like? And so remember, God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. And so in this moment, Moses repeats the Ten Commandments. He goes back through. You should have no other gods before me, right? Do not use the Lord's name in vain. Keep the Sabbath. Honor your mother, mother and father. Don't lie. Don't steal. Don't, don't kill. Don't steal. Don't covet, right? All those commandments. And he repeats these, and he says, these are important for you to remember. And as he shares those, then we pick up the, the, here in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 32 and 33. So Moses told the people, after repeating these commands, you must be careful to obey all the commands of the Lord your God, following his instruction in every detail. Stay on the path that the Lord your God has commanded you to follow. Then you will live long and prosperous lives in the land you are about to enter and occupy. So he, he's telling them, look, if you're going to follow these commands, if you're going to follow these paths, here's the goal. And the goal is going to be this, right? Live long and prosper right? Live long and prosper. Why are you guys laughing? <laughs> All right, I guess, you're thinking Star Trek, right? Look what we've got here. So you got, you got, can you guys do it, the Vulcan greeting? How many of you guys do the Vulcan greeting, right? There we go. Very well known. Live long and prosper. This is Spock. Did you know that this, this, even in the writing of Star Trek, that actually came out of the Old Testament passage, this blessing that was part of the Jewish culture and the tradition is to live long and prosper. And even that hand symbol was partly something as I was researching that, that some priests did at certain times of the year, making some kind of 
something or other. So there is actually a, a biblical grounding in that. But this idea of living long and prospering, what does that mean? What does that look like? I mean, isn't that something that we all long for? We long for a good life, a long life, a prosperous life. And he's saying, this is the blessing that's there, but what's the key? He's saying it's obedience to God's commands, to obedience to his decrees. And he says, stay on that path. Just continue to walk that path. If you walk this path, and we've walked a long journey, and we've obeyed God for many years, and now as you enter this promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the opportunity that's there, don't lose sight. Stay on that path. And what happens is in our lives many times, you know what it's like, right? You get off the path. When you start getting off the path, things start to unwind a little bit, right? All of a sudden, you don't have a compass anymore. You're, you're, you're going astray. And that's when the craziness begins to kick into high gear again because now you have nothing to anchor to. And you're trying to find your way and you're, and you're seeking things out. Jesus isn't someone you go to to solve your problems. You're not praying about things. You're trying to make it and find your own way. And that's when the struggle hits. When we stray from that path, our lives are shortened. Prosperity begins to elude us. But he continues to say after this now, okay, follow this path, obey these commands, and then he goes on in chapter 6 now. These are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land you are about to enter and occupy. And you and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. So you see in this, he's again reiterating, it's so important. These are the foundations. These are the commands, the decrees. Hold on to these. But now what does he do? He brings in, and he's saying, look, it's not just for you. It's for you and your children and your grandchildren. He's saying, begin to set your sights a little further. This isn't just about you. This is about your future. This is about the next generation. This is where the legacy comes in. It's a generational focus. Don't just think about yourselves. Think about who's to follow you and what's coming. And it's a vision for the future. Think about this for your families. And I want to ask you this question, and I want you to come back to it again today. What do you want your story to be? What do you want your family's story to be? As you think about your future, not just for you, have you thought about that? What is the story that you want your kids to write and to talk about? What is the story that you want your grandchildren to share? How are you passing that out? What is this story? What is this vision for you, your children, and your grandchildren? Live long and prosper. What does it mean to prosper? I mean, prosper has a lot of different connotations, and of course, you know, the first thing we may think about is financial prosperity. Who doesn't want financial prosperity, right? It'd be great to have that, and it's great to have that, and we want to be financially secure in those ways, but there's so much more to that than just financial prosperity. We want good education for our kids. We want, you know, we want them to have great experiences. We want them to learn certain skills. And of course, there's those pieces that, that aren't those outwardly things, but what about character? What about prospering and prospering in who they are and who God created them to be? And what does it look like to prosper in faith, to have that foundation? So I want to talk to you today, it's very specifically, four pieces about how to live a legacy of faith. We're talking about living a legacy of faith. Here's four things we're going to see out of this passage that I think will guide our families through the generations to build this foundation. And the first part is that, build on the right foundation. This is critical. If you're going to have a legacy of faith and where you're going to lead your family through, what does that look like? You have to have the right foundation that you're going to build that vision on. 
And here in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5, we have one of the most famous, well-known verses in the Old Testament, in the Torah, the law. And this is, was the Shema. This was repeated over and over again, and even to this day, as a foundation for the faith, even in the, in the Jewish um, religion. And here we read this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Jesus repeats this command. And he reminds us, saying, if you're going to build on a foundation, this is the foundation. This is what you build on. There is one God. You build on that foundation, and you love him with everything you have. But I love the first ver- word in that, in, that, uh, in that scripture. Listen, O Israel. Listen. Sometimes it's writ- in some translations it's hear, O Israel. And if we're going to talk about the foundation we want to build on, I want to ask you the question, who are we listening to? Who are we listening to when it comes time to build the foundation, when it comes time to look for that guidance, to look for how we want to build our lives? Who are you listening to? He's saying, listen, hear, O Israel. He's talking about God. Because what we listen to, who we listen to, begins to influence us. And I fear the foundations that we are building families on, that we're building kids' lives on, are not the foundations that we find in Scripture. Where do we find that foundation? Is it what the latest thing is coming out of academia? the latest social agenda, the latest political party platforms? What are we building on? Is it what Hollywood is telling us is important? Is it the latest social media influencer that this is what it's all about? Like, where, do we, where are we listening? What are we continuing to feed into us that's saying, oh, this is what life is all about? There's people willing to, to paint all kinds of pictures for us. If you get one thing from today, I want you to catch this next phrase, and I want you to, to take this with you. If we don't give our kids a holy story to belong to, Our culture is more than ready to give them a hollow one. If we don't give our kids and the generations a holy story, our culture is more than ready to give them a hollow one. Now, there are some, you know, stories out there and things to be part of. Yeah, it's great to have success. It's great to have money. It's great to be educated. It's great to have a good job. It's great to be able to travel the world and to see things. It's great to enjoy life. Those are good things, but in the end, they're hollow. In the end, that's not going to be the foundation. What do I mean by holy story? A holy means to be be set apart. It means you have a different purpose. You are not in the same purpose as a world that is aimlessly trying to fulfill their pursuits. But a holy foundation says you're different. You're set apart for a purpose for the kingdom. You know different about who you are and what that's all about. Right? It's, when, when the world says it's all about the material success, you say, no, no, no. We understand a different foundation, that there's more important things. It's not about how much we can get. It's about how much we can give. It's about how much we trust God to flow his resources through us, not just to accumulate for ourselves. Oh, it's all about freedom and independence. That's what the world tells you, freedom and independence. What does the Bible say? The freedom that we find is when we find it in Christ. When we find it in him, and we find it actually in surrender. We find it in service to others. We find it in giving up our lives to something bigger. It's a very different foundation. We hear in our world so much, determine your own identity. Choose whatever and whoever you want to be. Find your own identity, and it sounds good. Pursue that. Do, you know, discover who you are, but you know what we find out in our faith? The biblical foundation says that we find our identity in Christ. So unless we're looking for identity anywhere else but Christ, we're not going to discover who God made us to be, who we are to be, how we were shaped. Should we go back to that? (laughs) Right? The foundations, understanding who we are, we find it in Christ. So we got to give our kids a holy story. Otherwise, the world will give us uh, them a hollow one. 
And so when we're, if we parent hands off, if we raise families and just say whatever, oh, there's lots of narratives that, 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 that you can jump into. But this foundation, what is it? I know for Shannon and I, we want our girls to know and to love the Lord, to walk in his footsteps, to, to have that be a normal, natural part of who they are and that they pour their lives into. That's, that's, a, that's a desire that we have. And to see that and to walk alongside that, to have a church community that surrounds us and that is so important. And nothing is more important for us than that. It's more important than whatever degrees they end up with, whatever job they have, because it's about who they are, whose they are, the character that they bring, the faith that they bring. And I pray that that's a legacy that gets continued to be lived on. So all of you in here or out there listening, if you're raising young men, raise some godly young men. <laughs> it's important. We're doing our part. <laughs> Trying the best we can. <laughs> There's still lots of life ahead, and we don't know where the years go and what happens, but we're so thankful for the foundation that's being laid now. But this foundation, build on the right foundation. There's one God. Not many gods, not a god wherever you find it, not whoever you want your god to be, not whatever philosophy, not whatever religion. There is one God, and you can know him, and he knows you, and you can love him, and then you pour your whole heart and your life into that. Build on the right foundation. Then he goes on in verse 6. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. So point two, simply this. Commit yourself wholeheartedly. <laughs> simply, but not simply. Commit yourself. So if this is the foundation... If this is what we believe and this is what we hear as the foundation, now, it's, now you have to engage. Now as parents, as grandparents, as adults, as leaders, we have to engage, committing ourselves wholeheartedly to this. And this is what it begins with. And so I would ask the question coming out of this is, what is the level of your spiritual commitment to Christ? If this is the foundation, if this is what we want to build on, what is the level of that commitment? How committed are you to this? Is it a wholehearted commitment? Again, some of those examples I gave earlier, it might be like, well, we know and we think this is good, but, but maybe parents don't embody that themselves and say, well, I don't necessarily live that out, but I want my kids to know it. It's hypocrisy. And when kids see that, it doesn't, it doesn't generate any following in that. If a parent has a half-hearted commitment to faith, you know what the faith commitment will be of the children? <laughs> no commitment. <laughs> Quarter commitment, which is not a commitment at all. Right? And so we have this important, the step, step number two is commit yourself wholeheartedly to this. Because we don't just want to settle for being good people or just moral people or church attenders or just trying, we, we want to live this out. And so what it takes for a wholehearted commitment is for us to say, I'm going to drive a stake in the ground. As parents, we drive a stake in the ground. As family members, we, stake, we say, this is who we are. My life is committed to Christ. This is the foundation we are set apart, and we're going to live on this foundation. We surrendered our hearts, and we find that freedom. We find that forgiveness. We find that renewal. And when we, when we live and discover that freedom in Christ, why wouldn't we want that for our kids? Why would we say, just figure it out for yourself? No, we want to pass that on. But it begins with a commitment ourselves. So we build on the right foundation. We commit ourselves wholeheartedly. And then third is this. we got to live it out daily. Right? Religion and faith isn't just something out there. It's something to be lived out daily. Look how and what, what Moses says now in Deuteronomy verses, uh, chapter 6, verse 7 to 9. He says, repeat them. He's talking about the, the laws and the customs and the, and the morals, right? The, the teachings. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. 
what do you think he's trying to get across here? It's like, this is important. This is a part of everyday life. When are you not either getting up or, go, you know, or, or going to bed? When are you not either out and about or in your home, right? It's in every part of our lives. He wants our lives saturated. I'm asking you, how saturated is your life? How saturated is your family life with Christ and following him? You know, Jesus gave us the great commission before he, he left this earth. He says, go into all the world and make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach these disciples to obey everything I have commanded you. And I'm with you until the end of the age, right? And he says, make disciples as a church. We are about making disciples and followers of Christ. But you know where the first disciples are to be made? In our homes. The very first disciples that for all of us that have homes, that have kids, that have grandkids, that's the disciples that we are responsible for. That's not just something we pawn off to the church and, oh, Tim, Tim, you, you make disciples. Park kids, go make those disciples for us. That's not my job. You know, how some, uh, we've all said it before probably at home, right, when it comes, kids come home from school and now we're spending all this time like trying to do their math homework and we're thinking, isn't that what we send our kids to school for, right? I'm not a math expert and maybe you feel like that way in faith. Like, I don't know all these things. But you begin and you take them on that process, but it's our job to, to pass that on, to make those disciples. Let me ask you this question. If all kids ever learned, uh, all they ever learned about faith in Jesus Christ came from you, what would they know? If the only thing they had, they didn't have church, they didn't have the Bible, they didn't have anything else, it's just what they had from you, what do they know? What would they experience about faith? What do they see? What do they hear? So Moses, as he's, as, he's, as he's saying this, he's making a point, and he's telling us how. This is what you need to do. Like, talk about this, right? Repeat it over and over and over again. You're repeating about it. You're talking about it when you're getting up, when you're sitting down. And I think this is where some parents are awkward in talking about their faith. And maybe you're new in your faith. Maybe you're still discovering your faith, and, and that's all right. I think that's something you can say to your kids, you know? I'm still figuring this out. I'm kind of walking this new path. Let's kind of walk it together. You don't have to be an expert in it, but you can walk it with them. Or sometimes, you know, we might hear these words, you know, I just live it out. I just, I just, uh, I just walk the talk. I don't, I don't want to talk about that. You know, that may work at some level, like, you know, at, at maybe at your job or in you know, places where it just isn't, you know, the, the right moment to always maybe talk about your faith, but that doesn't fly in your home. Now, of course, you do want to live that out. That's very important. That, that should be modeled for sure. Otherwise, again, there's hypocrisy. But I want to tell you this. Don't just walk the talk. You need to talk the walk, Right? You actually need to talk the walk. You need to verbalize what is going on, what is happening, right? When you're going out and about, when you're seeing things in the world, do you relate it back to Scripture? Do you understand how do we deal with these situations in life? When your kids are struggling with, with friends or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a future career decision, what does the Bible say? How do we find guidance in that? You're dealing with a tough situation, a struggle or a hardship or going through a challenge. What does God's word say? How do I handle these situations? Do you come back to that faith foundation or is it like, let's just go to Google and see, see what it says. What does AI tell me I need to do? Right, I mean, where, where do we go for God's word? And to find that truth, we go to his word. And so that's what we'll be talking about. And we talk about it in all these different ways and all these different places, on the go, when you go to bed, especially when our kids were younger, that was always such a special time, was that nighttime routine, but it was like, what are we talking about? Is there a story? Do we read the Bible? Do we sing some songs? Do we impart that faith? When you get up in the morning, do you do a devotion? Do you pray together? How do you start your day and you set that tone? These are all, this is all advice that, is, that, that comes out of these scriptures for us, that we're to live this out daily. It becomes a part of our home, our family life, and that becomes part of that legacy that we're living. 
not just something out there at the church or something you got to figure out in the world, but this is who we are. And then the fourth point is this, pass on the story. The story. What is that story? How do we pass that on? I love it here in verse, verse 20. It says, in the future, your children will ask you, what is the meaning of these laws, decrees, and regulations that the Lord our God has commanded us to obey? You know, why, why are we following these laws? Why do we do this while other kids do that? Why don't we live like everybody else? Why aren't we doing what the kids at school are doing? Why are we following this path? Why don't we do X, Y, and Z, right? Or why do we do these things? When they ask these questions, verse 21, then you must tell them, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with his strong hand. Now, obviously, that was the story for them. That was their story. We were slaves. This is what our life was like. And look at the story that God wrote in our, in our, in our family and in our culture and in our nation, that he freed us from, from slavery. And now we're free. The question for you is, what is the legacy of faith, faith you are passing on to your kids? We come back to this question. What is the story they will live out and tell? What's the story? What's the story that you want to be a part of? This is like you have a story as you look back on your life. What is that story of faith? What is that one now that you want to write? And I like this framework that we see in this passage. Once we were slaves, now we are free. What's your once we were part of your story? What's the once we were? Once we were focused on our own ambitions. Once it was all about my independence and my personal freedom and trying to pursue whatever happiness brought me in life. Once we were, and I was slave to that. And it didn't lead me to where I needed to be. It didn't bring me the fulfillment that I thought. That's what we, but then, now, now when I came to faith, now when my life was rooted in Christ, now when we began to walk this journey, it didn't mean that our life was problem-free, but we had a different foundation to build on. We have an anchor in our life. We have, we have a stronghold. We have a God who loves us and walks with us, and we are finding our true freedom in Christ. What's the story that you are sharing out? Because the story isn't just beginning with you. It, this is part of your story. This Deuteronomy passage, what happened to this, these families, this is all part of our story. It's God's bigger story of redemption and healing and wholeness. And we are part and called to be a part of that story to live out in our families. And I'm so grateful as I look at my family here and I look at, you know, Shannon's parents and I think about my parents and, and when we hear the stories and, and, and about a f legacy of faith and grandparents, I know that's not everyone's story, but I am so thankful for it and I'm, I'm grateful for that. When we hear about how God's provided in different seasons and, and how they endured hardships and struggles and yet they, they stayed firm in their faith and I think there's a generational blessing that continues to flow and, and that's what these scriptures say. Walk in this path and watch what it begins to happen in your families. God will bless in that, in that beautiful way. So here's the challenge for you is grab hold of the pen. Here's the story. Grab hold of the pen. I think so many times as parents, as grandparents, as, as adults, like we kind of let kids figure it out on their own. Well, we need to write that story. God's asking us to take hold of that pen and begin to write that story. Yes, they're going to have to choose some point in time to take their pen and write their part of the story. But we have a responsibility. In the same season as they were getting ready to enter the promised land in the book of Joshua, we read this, this famous well-known passage where Joshua challenges the people before they enter the promised land. He says, choose today whom you will serve. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. He didn't just say like, you know, whatever, figure it out. You know, you guys choose. He did say that. But then what he says is, for his family, 
As for me and my family. He didn't go, as for me, Joshua, I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm not sure about my wife. I'm not sure about my kids. I mean, I don't want to push anything on them. So when they go in the promised land, I mean, if they could discover God for themselves. He's like, no, no, no. As for me and my family, yep, as for me and Annika and Anaya and Kira and Miana and Shannon, um, they're in my home. We're serving the Lord. You don't have an option on that. You don't have a choice on that. You can have your choice later. This is who we are. This is our story. And this is part of the story you've been a part of from, from generation to generation to generation. Now, they're going to have to make their own choice. But as for me in my house, and as long as you're in my house, when I go visit my parents, it doesn't matter that I'm 50 years old, but in the morning after breakfast, we're doing devotions together. It's just what we do. As for me in my house, my dad's house, that's what we're doing. It's a part of that family and, and legacy. And, and I think to, to ask ourselves is, who do you choose? And what decision do you make for your family to say, this is who we are, this is what we are about, that's how we pass on that identity. And yes, we know in the freedom of Christ, we all have to make that choice, and none of us are saved just because our family believes a certain way, but that is the most important foundation we can give. So what do you choose? Do you throw your hands up and say, I'm not sure. Maybe it's Buddha. Maybe I find it in this Eastern religion. Maybe it's, some, it's in science and, and in some philosophy, and I kind of have a potpourri of different things. No. Hear, O Israel, our God, he is one. And you will love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. We don't have to go searching. We don't have to be anchorless as a family. We can know that foundation. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If we will declare that, some of that crazy in your family will calm down because you will have a compass. You will have a foundation, and you can build on that. It doesn't mean forever and always, but it means you are laying that foundation. And I know some of you who have been faithful, and we've seen through the years that have raised families in the faith and in your home, and yet we know there's a freedom of will and, and kids will make their choices and their decisions as they get older. But when you go back and you look at these foundations that, that you say, you know, we built on the right foundation, that foundation is there. That foundation does not get knocked out. It is always there. It may not be seen. It may not be being built on by your kids, but that foundation is there. The commitment to commit wholeheartedly, that doesn't matter. That, you've made that commitment. And that you continue to live in that and it has an influence. And you continue to live that out daily, that doesn't change. That continues to have impact on your kids. And the passing on of the story, you continue to do that. Those things are things you can continue to do regardless of where your kids may be later in life in their journey of faith. And God will use those pieces. And finally, I just want to close with this. We will receive the blessing. We will receive the blessing. Deuteronomy 6, verse 24, at the end of that chapter, it says this, And the Lord our God commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear him so he can continue to bless us and preserve our lives as he has done to this day. It's this blessing. He's going to continue to, to preserve our lives. He's going to continue to bless us. This fear of the Lord doesn't mean to be afraid of God. It means to respect, to honor him to put him in that first place. And that blessing will come to live a long and a prosperous life. And that's my heart and my passion for you, that the crazy in the family where there's so many things pulling us in different directions, that we would live a legacy of faith, that we be, begin to live that out each and every day. When we were um, in one of my previous churches, we, did a, uh, we had a baptism on a Sunday morning. And after some that were baptized were baptized, uh, we opened it up to whomever would want to be baptized, and like a spontaneous baptism. And so this, uh, this one young woman was there this, that morning, and she had her, her, her kid in her arms, and, um, and she came up to want to be baptized. And so I had a little conversation with her just while the music was going, and yeah, she wanted to commit her life to Christ. She wanted to take that step of baptism. 
And, um, and so before she stepped in the water of baptism, she, gave, uh, she handed her child over to Shannon to hold, and uh, she, was holding, she was holding the baby. And um, after, and as we so I baptized her, and as she came out, Shannon said she was just looking right at that child of hers, right at that son of hers. And it was this moment where you just see, here's this legacy. Here's the story. Here's somebody saying, this is where I stand. This is my foundation. And she was raised to new life in Christ. And the difference that that makes in that family, that story that's being changed for her son's life and for her family. And that's the legacy of faith that God is calling us to live. I just want us to take maybe a, a few moments here of silence. Maybe just bow your head in prayer and just reflect on some of these pieces. Where are you? Where is your family? As you think about your kids, as you think about your grandkids, as you think about relatives, family members, maybe one comes to your mind right now and you want to be praying for them. Or maybe you're looking at your own commitment saying, you know what, I really need to drive a stake in the ground. I've let things go and I need to share the story with my family, with my kids. How do you pass along a holy story so your kids don't end up with a hollow one? Heavenly Father, we're just so grateful for your word and even these truths that have just stood the test of time. God, that you desire and long for our families to have a long and a prosperous life, to experience the blessing and the joy of what it means to follow you, to have a firm anchor in our lives that can help us weather storms, that can help us through the difficult times. And Father, that just helps us to know this is where we stand. God, would you guide our families at whatever stage they're in, whatever season of life we may find ourselves in. God, allow us to have the influence to tell the story, to pass on the legacy. Father, we're thankful for the faithful families in this church that have continued to do so for many generations and continue to pass that on. And so, Father, we, we pray. And God, we pray for the kids and the, the students that are in this church. We think about our graduates this morning and, and the foundation that has been laid in their lives. Father, may they continue to write their story on this foundation and those that are coming after them. Father, we just give you thanks for the homes and the families that continue to lift you up in a world that isn't friendly many times to your truth and to standing out and to being different and to saying no when others are saying yes and to, to walk a different path. So Father, I pray for strength for dads and for moms, for grandparents, for aunts and uncles to model and to live out the beauty of life and faith. And so, Father, we commit ourselves, we commit to you the crazy in our lives, and we ask you to bring peace and calm and a solid anchor. Lord, we want to build our lives on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.